Before we get into today's story, I wanted to jump on and give a quick disclaimer. If you're someone who is bothered by descriptive details regarding injuries and medical procedures, I would suggest listening until the point where Kristen returns back to shore from her encounter. Enjoy the story. I took about two strokes to get towards the shoreline, and that's when I was immediately grabbed and dragged under. It immediately started thrashing me side to side. Whatever it wanted to do with me, I just needed to survive. From HV Studio, this is Unnerved. Welcome back to the Unnerved Podcast, where normal people share their abnormal stories, and if you enjoy true stories of the strange and terrifying, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Chris Fricke. Traveling to a foreign country and exploring the local culture is one of the best ways to gain perspective and enjoy the world we live in. Every country has its own unique aspects to see and experience. The people, food, music, landscapes, and wildlife. Over 30 million people go on a safari every year in Africa, and the chance to see animals in the wild is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The key is to do it at a safe distance. When you think of deadly African wildlife, you might assume lions take the top spot, but that title is reserved for another land mammal. Hippos cause an estimated 500 deaths every year, and lions only 22. In 2018, Kristen and her husband Ryan decided to visit Zimbabwe to celebrate Kristen's 37th birthday. The safari they went on was everything they had hoped for. But they soon learned that hippos can be as dangerous as they are fascinating. The encounter that Kristen had that day would change her life forever. This is her story. My husband Ryan and I decided to book a wonderful birthday trip to Zimbabwe to see the wonderful Victoria Falls which is one of the natural wonders that we have never seen and has been on our bucket list for some time. And his family lives in Johannesburg. So we decided to make it a long Thanksgiving slash birthday trip for me and celebrate with family overseas and to also enjoy a safari trip and a most wonderful experience with this natural wonder. We visited with family in Johannesburg for a few days And then we flew up to Zimbabwe and enjoyed our very first evening out to see the Victoria Falls. And the next morning we had our first safari trip out into the Zambezi National Park. We were on a safari ride and that took us throughout the park to see amazing animals. And for our lunch stop happened to be at a site just close to the water, but not extremely close to the water and we were very curious to possibly get a photo 
um, with the landscape and the water and maybe see some birds and some animals. Um, and I remembered vaguely uh, the gentleman saying, don't go too close. We're not going to walk away from the vehicle. We don't want to go there. And uh, there might be some animals and in the area in general. And so we just enjoyed our lunch in the vehicle. But I did make note of where we were at, which happened to be picnic site 24. But we enjoyed that day. We had a couple of more days of safari trips going through different parks. We went to Wenge. We um, did just self drives through safari parks and um, some private reserves and some of the larger national reserves. The morning of my birthday, we decided that we were going to have a relaxing canoe trip. Uh, we enjoy photography very much and the perspective of being lower to your subject gives you a better angle for those photos. So we thought this would be a good opportunity, a relaxing morning, canoeing down the Zambezi River, having an enjoyable lunch, and then a nice romantic evening out and having a wonderful dinner. That morning we drove into the park and as we made our way through the park, we passed the picnic site that we were at at that very first safari trip that we did. A little bit north of that, we ended up doing our launch into our canoe trip. So we knew right where we were in the general vicinity. We're just getting ready to canoe off. Ryan and I have plenty of experience doing canoe trips since we travel often and we're from Florida. So we do this quite often. And um, he did make a mention of if you fall out, swim to the closest shore. And Ryan and I thought that was kind of strange. Why would we fall out? We're, we're pros at this practically because we have a lot of experience on the water in general and we used to scuba dive and we're very familiar with those types of environments so we didn't really think anything of it but you know they launched us in it was um three canoe total the first one had a guide and one other tourist the second canoe was with ryan and i and i was in the front ryan was in the back and the third canoe had one more guide so we were all in a line on the right hand side which is where we launched from and not even a couple of minutes downstream the gentleman in the front canoe had binoculars and said he saw a group of hippos up on the right hand side and we then needed to proceed to the middle of the river which looks like the left side because of the levels of the water in the zambezi river at that time so it looks like the left, but it's actually an island within the middle of the large entire river that you can't see. So we were over on that side, but Ryan and I, we were a little bit off to the side of the front canoe that just put us slightly more into the deeper section of the water. Um, we were definitely as far over to the left side of that bank as we could be, but just Ryan and I, we weren't 100% in line. We were just slightly out um, past the first canoe. Um, and I glanced over to see if I could see that group of hippos and I didn't see anything but just one hippo back submerged. Didn't see its head, didn't see a group of them, just one back go under. And it was all the way on the other side of this river. I started looking forward, we started paddling, continuing on, we were following along with a guide and then out of nowhere, underneath our canoe, a hump of a back came up under a canoe with an upward forceful motion and launched Ryan and I into the air. And the way that it hit the canoe in the middle, it was um, a blow up canoe. So it bent the canoe in half almost. 
and where I fell forward and Ryan had fallen backwards towards the shallow side. As soon as we popped up with our life vests, we immediately started to try to swim. Uh, I was a little bit further out and I could see Ryan, but he couldn't see me because the canoe was kind of in the between us. And I took about two strokes to get towards the shoreline. And that's when I was immediately grabbed and dragged under. Instinctually, I don't know how or why, uh, but I managed to get a full entire grasp of air before I was yanked under. So immediately I went into survival mode and I knew I had to conserve my air as much as possible. As soon as it pulled me down, it immediately started thrashing me side to side. Very similar to a dog with a toy in its mouth. It was just back and forth. I didn't know how long I would be down there, didn't know how long I would be in its mouth. Whatever it wanted to do with me, I just needed to survive. I knew exactly where it was on my leg, and in order to not be thrashed around so violently, I shrugged together around its face on my leg and essentially held on. In that moment, I tried to grab at its face. I know I'm not strong enough to let it go or to open it and pry it open, but I knew where it was and I figured if I could at least grab at it and yank on something, maybe I could spook it and it would release me. Everybody always asks, why didn't you poke at its eyes? That's, you know, the thing to do. And my answer is, I don't know where its eyes are at. I'm in murky, dirty water. I've never been so up close to a hippopotamus before. But with the spatial of knowing that it was exactly on my entire full leg, I knew right where its mouth was. So that was my instinct, was to grab at its face and to try to pry its mouth open. And I could feel that it was leathery and spiky because of the whiskers on its face and its nose. But somehow, some way, me doing that or me just staying calm, I don't know if it thought I was dead or if me touching its face spooked it, but it let me go. I uh, immediately popped up to the surface at that point because of my life jacket. That's when the next part of survival kicked in. During that time, I would estimate I was down under the water for about 45 seconds since I was almost out of breath. As a child, swimming in the pools a lot with my sister and brother, we used to play games of who could stay down the longest. And you would hold your breath and you'd have to recycle your air or sometimes you'd re-swallow it to feel like you were able to get just a little bit more. Well, I was at that point, so I was very close to probably passing out and losing my life. And having all of those different life experiences with being so into sports and doing triathlons and races and scuba diving and even scuba diving with sharks, you learn to conserve your air and have good breathing techniques. And in that short amount of time, I was able to hold on, stay calm enough and when I came up, I grabbed that breath of air. I was facing the direction I needed to go towards the shoreline, which is where 
Ryan had made his way to the shore. Uh, I could see him trying to run to meet up with me since I had drifted slightly further down in front of where the first guide and the tourists were at. So I immediately started trying to kick my legs and swim and I couldn't swim. My leg didn't work. I kept trying to kick and nothing happened and first immediately thought my knee is broken. And I yelled to them, I said, I can't swim, my knee is broken. Split second thinking, it just, I turned over and I just started a backstroke. I was only a couple of strokes away, probably about five, to where the guide on the shore took his canoe paddle and reached it out over the water to where I could then grab it and then he could just pull me the rest of the way to him. By the time that happened, Ryan had ran down the shoreline and reached him. They brought me onto the shore. They both picked me up and at that point, um, when they did that, I could see that my leg was completely torn open. I could see my muscle, I could piece of muscle was actually torn and sitting on top of my leg. It was still slightly attached, but it was sitting on top. All of my skin from the middle of my thigh to my knee was completely missing from where it should be. I didn't know it at the time, um, but I ended up with more skin um, that was ripped off. I had teeth marks and puncture wounds um, that I couldn't see. I could only just see this big gaping hole in the middle of my leg. They put me in the, the canoe on the shoreline and they wanted to try to figure out how to position me and move me around. And I used to work in medical um, environments. I'm nowhere near any professional medical training or anything, but I do know from all of these different people I've worked with and TV shows and things like that, that if somebody's that injured, you put them in one spot, you don't move them until actual professional comes. So that was my, my next instinct survivals. Don't move me, don't touch me. You know, I was starting to be in pain and I didn't realize why. Turns out it wasn't just my skin that was torn apart in my muscle. I also ended up with a completely broken femur that I was holding my entire leg up by the one inside muscle, which was causing me pain at the time. And I had asked him for some pills and, you know, if he had any pain pills and he came by with some little red pills in his hand. And I said, what is that? And I don't even remember what he said, but I just decided, I was like, no, I don't know what they are. I don't know how it's going to react with my body. It could end up, you know, making my blood thinner or my heart race more. And if there was any chance that I was going to survive, I needed to make sure that I had nothing in my body or causing anything else to possibly bleed out more than it might be. But in all of that, I was not really bleeding a lot. It was mostly all just surface from the skin being degloved and torn apart to the side um, and the one big puncture wound on my quad uh, that I ended up losing a golf ball size on my quad. But everything else, for the most part, I noticed that my toes were working. I wiggled my toes, so I told them if I pass out and medics come that they must tell them, do not amputate my leg, my toes work. That was the only thing I was, I was worried about was that I'm in a foreign country. I don't, I've never been to the major hospital. I've never broken a major bone. I don't know what they would be thinking, but my answer is I know my toes work, don't do anything. 
Ryan actually had given me his cell phone um, on the ride in the canoe since I was in the front. So I was kind of manning the photos on the trip. And uh, at the last minute, I happened to put it in a zippered pocket in my pants, which happened to be the opposite side that got attacked and ripped apart. It was also his iPhone that was waterproof that he ended up using to call for help. The guides, their phones are only working for Zimbabwe. And we were too far in the middle of the river, closer to Zambia, that their cell phones didn't work. And where we had taken off from the canoe, the walkie-talkie to the driver also didn't work because he was too far out of range and hasn't caught up to us yet to where we are on the canoe trip because he was still packing up. We had only just launched about five minutes up the river, so they couldn't reach him. He was considering that we canoe across to the other side where the vehicle would end up catching up to us which is where I said brought me back to day one, the exact place that I got attacked at was where I had lunch on day one safari, picnic site 24. That's how we knew exactly where we were. And when Ryan realized that their phones and their walkie talkie didn't work at all, Ryan called our hotel, our concierge, and told him what happened exactly where we were and that we needed medical attention immediately. They're the ones that called for help. They called the um, tour operator, which also does helicopter safari tours there as well. They ended up getting the nurse ambulances and um, medical support to their tourist facility in order to convert a helicopter to come out and save me. So it ended up taking 45 minutes roughly to get a helicopter to me. And luckily I was not bleeding out at the time because I knew that if I was, I had less than 10 minutes to live. That was my fear and my worry, and I wanted to instill extra panic into the guides and trying to get me somebody to come out and save me. I kept telling them, if I'm bleeding out, I have 10 minutes, and if you don't get me somebody, I'm going to die, and it's going to be on you. But luckily enough, that was not the case, since it was all mostly skin and surface level, other than the femur break, which luckily didn't hit anything major. But in that 45 minutes while I was sitting on the bank as well, I told Ryan I need to call my mom. I knew from when I was a teenager that we had gotten in a slight car accident um, from high school. And she always told me if something happened to call her immediately, let her know, let her know if everything's okay. Or I'm in Africa. So the time difference was not very good to call and wake her up. But I knew I needed to talk with her in case something happened. Unfortunately, when I called her, she she did answer, but the first words out of her mouth were, are you calling for me to sing you happy birthday? Because it was my birthday and Africa time, it was also my birthday birth time. And she always calls me on my birthday at my birth time to sing me happy birthday. So she, she thought I was calling her to have her sing to me. So I had to tell her no, uh, I said I was you know, we're on the canoe safari. I got attacked by a hippopotamus. I am waiting for medical attention. I said, as of right now, I'm okay. I'm in a little bit of pain, but I'm, I'm waiting for help and Ryan will have to keep you posted. So of course she was naturally freaked out. I didn't talk with her very long because Ryan wanted to make some other phone calls to figure out what was going on and um, what was happening from the concierge to getting the helicopter. But in the meantime, I just, kept my heart rate down and tried to ignore the slight pain that I was having in my my leg from holding up my entire leg at a awkward angle. Try not to be in the heat. I had them put a 
uh, a hat on me and kind of keep me in the shade so that way I wasn't getting overly dehydrated in the sun or anything like that. But eventually the helicopter came and they landed in the middle of the island per se. They put me on a stretcher and had to figure out how to fit me into this converted helicopter that wasn't a medical helicopter. So that took a little bit of angling and wiggling around, but Ryan, myself, and the two medical staff plus the helicopter pilot, we all fit in and we're on our way. I guess it's my personality, but during that flight, since we're no longer on our canoe trip, we turned out to have a helicopter ride. I started cracking jokes and telling them, you know, I thought the helicopter trip would be a better idea. And is he seeing the falls at least and getting getting a good view? <laughs> I, I think they were a little shocked that I was being so humorous in a dire situation, but I wasn't feeling dire because I knew I had already had so much time that I must not, and I'm not feeling faint. I'm not passing out. You know, I could see my wound and I kind of have that general knowledge that I didn't feel totally like I'm going to die anymore. So that was a probably, I think, about a 20-ish minute flight, um, but they took you to the tourist takeoff. So then from there, they had to transport me to the local hospital. And from there, they, they were not normal what I would think of a doctor they were in street clothes they <laughs> they didn't have their professional attire on so I wasn't quite sure where I was and how professional or knowledgeable they would be they did take me in immediately and, and did an x-ray which I could swear that this was probably one of the very first x-ray machines that probably was ever created I know it was regular film slide machine so I knew it was definitely old <laughs> At that time, he told me I had a hairline fracture in my femur, which I knew then that meant I didn't need surgery. But I come later to find out after the experience and getting to my true final hospital in Africa at the main trauma center that it was a full break. The hospital in, jo um, in Zimbabwe didn't have even medical supplies at the hospital. So the doctor says I need saline or I need you know, a tetanus shot, I need this or that. They don't have any of that at the hospital. So the concierge met Ryan at the hospital because he had called the hotel. So the main person had met him there. And the doctor said, I need X, Y, and Z. And the concierge actually drove into town and went and got the supplies that the doctor said he needed. So all I really remember from that first hospital visit was that they opened up a couple of bags of saline to wash my wound out. They gave me a tetanus shot. Uh, I think they gave me some pain medicines at that point, And then they just told me I had the hairline fracture. I had to wait quite a few hours for a medical flight to leave Zimbabwe to fly to Johannesburg. They flew the medical flight from the capital of Zimbabwe to Victoria Falls Airport, which actually closes early. So the airport had to arrange to stay open late in order for the flight to come in and to fly me out. So they transported me there. Um, it was a two and a half hour flight to Johannesburg. And then we had a transfer to the main trauma center, which was very close to where Ryan's family lived. So we at least were very close to people that we knew and that could support him and myself for however long I was going to end up needing to be there. We arrived pretty late, I believe close to midnight at the end of my birthday. And they immediately did the full uh, gambit of tests CT scans, x-rays, the whole in and out of everything with and without contrasts. 
I remember that making me a little bit ill being in the machine since I hadn't eaten all day either. And they told me that they definitely said my femur was broken and I immediately had to go into surgery for the femur to be repaired. So they turned around and did the surgery uh, right then and there. And he put in a full femur rod, uh, slightly shorter, just because of, of the open wound damage I had uh, close to the knee and two pins on the top and the bottom. The next morning, uh, they had to coordinate getting a plastic surgeon. Um, no one had told between Zimbabwe to Johannesburg that I had a large open wound. So they only had an orthopedic on standby for the femur issue. Uh, so they had to coordinate a plastic surgeon, which they did, and then I had to have surgery every other day to clean the wound, remove the dead skin, and make sure all that was taken care of over the course of the time so I didn't get any other infections. I think I had about seven surgeries during my two additional weeks stay at the hospital in Johannesburg, and during each of those surgeries, um, they call it debridement or debridement um, to where they do remove any dead tissues. So the main issue with my injury is because I went so long from the incident time to having to travel and then the next full day getting to a doctor that could take care of the situation, more of my skin was dying off. So during each of those surgeries, they were cutting away more dead skin. The piece of the quad muscle that was poked essentially and torn off but still slightly connected that had to be removed there was no reattaching that the skin that got torn away that was damaged um, totally and dying off they cut that off anything else that was still remaining that was good and maybe just a gloved which just means it's got a full separation between your skin and fat layer to your muscle layer that skin they were able to keep and save so that way I didn't have more total volume of loss. I did also have on the back of my knee skin that was totally ripped off the back all the way down to uh, the ligaments and tendons. So you could see all of those directly on my leg. They were able to save a, a good portion of that skin that was just hanging, but I did lose some of the skin on the back of my knee as well. They wouldn't close up any cuts or scratches or gashes that were sewable or stitchable or stapled, anything that they could possibly close, till the bacteria was 100% gone. I ended up with two bacteria types from the water, not from the animal itself, but just because of the water being so dirty from having animal feces and just general bacteria. So. From that, they had me on antibiotics, and I was ended up being in the hospital in Johannesburg for an additional two weeks. And then at that time, they prepped me for having a medical flight home to Tampa, which I ended up having to do uh, two private medical flights, seven stops um, home, and it took 36 hours to be transported the entire way. And then I was at the um, local Tampa hospital here. Uh, turns out to be another two full weeks. Uh, and when I got to Tampa, they wanted to just do their own battery of tests. So all everything all over again, full x-rays, CT scans. The orthopedic didn't like how he had done the surgery in Africa. So he immediately wanted to take me in for redoing the femur rod and pins to make it a full true length 
femur rod to be as strong as possible. Turns out as well, um, I ended up with a blood clot in my arm due to bad practices from them putting in the IV needles. They had the plastic tubing from the back bottom of the IVs, I believe it's called catheter, actually broke off in my arm from one of the nurses removing it. And they had to remove that during one of my debriefment surgeries. Uh, they had to surgically cut it out and remove it out of my vein. So that procedure actually caused me a slight blood clot, which I was unaware of and not good to fly with. Uh, but I was lucky enough that it was a minor one and they ended up taking care of that in Tampa as well. So between all those procedures, I ended up with a skin graft on the front of my leg and the back of my knee to where I had to be immobilized for a month after I was released. And I finally got out just, uh, I believe, three days before New Year. So total, I was in the hospital just about, I believe, 28 days. So from there, it was an endless number of surgeries and doctor's appointments and therapy for trying to reuse my leg. I couldn't move my foot, you know, at all, moving it up and down. My entire leg, I couldn't move. I had to physically pick it up and move it. I didn't have any muscle strength. I didn't have any of the standard ability, so I couldn't drive. I couldn't walk. I was on a walker. Uh, I switched to crutches. I graduating to a cane once I finally got some movement and motion. But ultimately, because of losing the skin on the front of my knee, it caused me to have mobility issues with my range of motion, mostly bending my knee. Um, and due to that, I had a wonderful team of doctors. I told them, this is my life. I'm young. I have so many more things that I want to do, and I can't be limited by this range of motion it is, is not something that I want to live with. So as many surgeries as it's going to take, whatever types of surgeries it's going to take, I, I don't care. There's got to be an option. There's got to be a way. And every single one listened to me. They agreed with me. They gave me alternative options when we thought there was nothing for them to do. They passed me to the next doctor that they knew. Out of all of those, I currently am now at surgery 22. My range of motion after three full years of physical therapy is just about back to normal. Um, I can fully squat, I can bend my knee. It's just that I am still and probably might always be working through strength issues since I lost the part of my quad, but I have to learn to compensate in other ways. So I'm still working on that, but it's definitely progressing and getting better. The vacation nightmare for a Tampa couple traveling in Africa. The American tourist hospitalized after an encounter with a hippo in Zimbabwe. She's now breaking her silence, telling all about those terrifying moments, how she survived. Kristen and her husband Ryan were on safari in the African nation of Zimbabwe when the unthinkable took place. I saw that it popped up underneath our canoe and... Not I long after Kristen's attack, news media from around the world caught wind of her story and wanted to interview her about her incredible story of survival. Kristen's determination to not only survive a traumatic experience, but thrive, has been an inspiration to people around the world. Since she has begun her recovery, she has accomplished more than many people do in a lifetime. I did my very first marathon uh, only a month ago. I have never have done one, never wanted to do one. It was a challenge and each 
part of my progression. My husband knows I'm very goal-driven, and I couldn't even walk when he brought up the fact of me trying to do a 5K again as a comeback. And I agreed. I said, I can't walk right now, but I will do whatever I can to get back to where I was and the sports that I enjoyed. So I finally feel like I'm back to almost where I was. I know I won't be 100%, but I'm happy with where I'm at and that I'm progressing and, you know, I'm enjoying the things that brought us to that situation before. We're traveling again, we're doing photography, which is what we love, um, exploring new places and, you know, as dangerous as the animals are, that's what we enjoy seeing and doing and being in their natural environment. So we've got plenty more of those trips to do and what's the chance of something like this happening again. Perhaps like me, you've noticed how calm and sensible Kristen is. When faced with a life-threatening situation, people often panic, which tends to escalate the danger. Kristen's courage and level-headedness probably helped to save her life that fateful day, the day she fought her way out of the jaws of a hippo. Thanks again for listening to Unnerved. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcast. If you guys want to see photos related to each episode, be sure to follow our Instagram at Unnerved Podcast. There, you'll be able to see photos from Kristen's safari trip. And if you guys want to follow Kristen and her recovery journey, go to her website, at thehippogirl.com. You can also find Kristen and Ryan's photography business at yaldorphotography.com. All of these links will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.